There's a rather funny story. Well, we think it's funny, but it wasn't funny to the person to whom it happened. After a broad yawn, a truck driver couldn't get his mouth closed again. The 21-year-old Englishman yawned, he says, a really long and hard yawn while he was driving. And then he heard a sudden click and his jaw was stuck. It couldn't close again. Well, driving on for 10 miles, he found a policeman and he scribbled out a message to the policeman, please help me, where's the nearest hospital? I can't close my mouth. The policeman started laughing. It was not funny to the truck driver. Embarrassed as he was, he drove another 27 miles and found a hospital where On the day, Christopoulos of Cheyenne, Wyoming, our visiting priest, gave the sermon this afternoon. Fast forward to end of tape before turning over to the other side. Thank you. Physically unable to close our mouths is, is rare. But how often do we fail to keep our lips sealed to refrain from a harsh or cruel word? With God's help, even a little thought before we open our mouth can prevent a great deal of heartache and regret. There appeared in the Wall Street Journal some years ago this little ditty. Somebody sent it to me. It was an, really an advertisement from United Technologies. It goes like this. It topples governments, wrecks marriages, ruins careers, busts reputations, causes heartaches, nightmares, indigestion, spawns suspicion, generates grief, dispatches innocent people to cry on their pillows. Even its name hisses. It's called gossip. Office gossip, shop gossip, party gossip, church gossip. It makes headlines and heartaches. Before you repeat a story, ask yourself, is it true? Is it fair? Is it necessary? If not, shut up. Those are not my words. I'm just quoting, right? <laughs> I have to be careful here. Uh, open by mistake. You know, something that applies more often to mouths than to letters. A person, they say, usually gets somewhere when he develops a brake for the tongue and an accelerator for the brain. I recently came across the expression, a hit and run, a hit and run mouth. It's the mouth that feels compelled to talk about other people regardless of how well it knows them. Now, the people who have a hit and run mouth remind me of the expression that it is a 
constipated mind that causes diarrhea of the mouth. Now, what is a constipated mind? It's a closed mind that thinks it knows it all. A mind that speaks, 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 but very rarely listens. Francis Bacon said once, impatient people are like the bees. They kill themselves in stinging others. I think what we need at times is a tongue depressor. You know that piece of wood that the doctor places on your tongue when he's examining your throat and he keeps that tongue down? Not a bad idea. Because it seems that every part of the body gets tired eventually, except one part of the body, which can go on and on forever, and that's the tongue. And it's no accident that the Bible describes the tongue as sharp, biting, and untamable. In fact, St. James in his epistle says that the tongue is the hardest thing in the world to tame. There's a little prayer that says, O Lord, let my words be tender and sweet, for tomorrow I may have to eat them. I would like to add to this prayer these words. Tomorrow, I may not only have to eat those words, but I will have to render an account to God for them. Because Jesus specifically tells us that we will answer for every idle word we have spoken. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will render account, said Jesus, for every careless word they utter. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. St. Basil the Great said this about the tongue, the most common sin, the most common sin is enacted by the tongue. In his beautiful Lenten prayer, St. Ephraim begs God to free his servants from what he calls the sin of an idle tongue. Exactly as Ben Franklin once admonished when he said, remember not only to say the right thing at the right place, but far more difficult still to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. Now we see the reason why we chant so often in our Lenten Vespers that verse from Psalm 141. Set a watch, O Lord, about my mouth and a door of enclosure about my lips. And St. John Chrysostom was most descriptive when he said that God has surrounded the tongue with a double wall, first the teeth and then the lips. And he did this, he says, for a very good reason, that we, to make it difficult for us to utter words that we should not speak. And he tells us that sometimes the mouth struggles to get out from behind those two walls, and it does get out. And he says, what, what should you do when the tongue does sneak out? beyond the teeth, and he says, bite it. It's better to you to go through life with a bitten tongue than to spend eternity in hell because of the careless, unloving words you have spoken. 
There are two ways of really expressing hostility. One way is to bash the person over the head with a club, person you don't like. The second thing is to say something evil about that person. Now, most of us are too civilized to bash a person that we don't like overhead with a club. Yet, most of the time, bashing with a club could be kinder, much kinder, than spreading a vicious story about a person, a story that can never be recalled. We hear a lot today about child abuse, yet we forget that there is another form of abuse that is even more devastating than physical abuse. Because children may actually recover faster from physical abuse than they do from the constant emotional abuse of words. Harsh, threatening, degrading, insulting, humiliating words cause far more damage, irreparable damage. So words are really, when you get down to it, our most prized possessions because they distinguish us and set us apart from the rest of creation. Plants and rocks cannot speak. Words show that we are made indeed in the image and likeness of God. And because through words, we can communicate with God, we can communicate with each other. We can sing his praises, and we can teach his ways through words. And this is why, perhaps the reason why the Holy Spirit appeared on the day of Pentecost in the form of a tongue. For it is the office of the tongue to proclaim the good news of the gospel and to glorify the Almighty. Open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise, O Lord, said the psalmist. Now, there are certain icons that show Jesus healing demon-possessed persons. And the demons are shown coming out of the demon-possessed person through the mouth. Now, this is certainly not what we want in our families and in our parish. Rule Howe, in his book, The Miracle of Dialogue, gives the word dialogue a deeper meaning when he says, quote, dialogue is to love what blood is to the body. When the flow of blood stops, the body dies. But, but dialogue can restore a dead relationship. Let me repeat that. Dialogue can restore a dead relationship. This is the miracle of dialogue, he says. So true dialogue requires a willingness not just to talk, but to listen and listen and listen again to get both sides of an issue and not to shout down someone when he offers us the opportunity to dialogue. Thus, the tongue, along with the ear, are essential ingredients if we are to have true dialogue and if we are to avoid the hit-and-run mouth. 
I have mentioned previously, and I'll repeat it again, that the tongue is really bilingual. It speaks two languages. Every person can speak either the put-down language or the language of praise and love. When we speak the put-down language, we can wound, we can hurt, we can make enemies, we can start a quarrel. But when we speak the language of praise, the language of love, words can charm, words can bless, words can make amends, words can comfort, and words can fill us with hope. A, fitly, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver, says Proverbs. So let us choose words that build up the good and leave unspoken words that tear down and injure. Let us speak words that promote harmony and leave unspoken words that divide and stir up. Let us speak words of faith and love and leave unspoken words that promote anxiety and fear. Let us pray each day that our words may be clothed with spiritual power. And whatever words we speak, may they be able to pass through those three little gates. Is it true? Is it needful? Is it kind? When we receive Holy Communion, our lips, our very lips, are sealed with the blood of the Son of God, the precious body and blood of the Lord Jesus, Enter our being through this mouth, through these lips. Now, out of such a mouth that has been sealed with the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ should proceed only words that glorify God, not careless words that hit and run that kindle strife and wreck a life, but gracious words, words that smooth the way, words that lessen stress, words that heal and bless. Let me conclude by saying that Jesus said once, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What fills our hearts will flow out from our lips constantly. If Christ is filling our lives, we cannot keep it in. It will come out. It will control what we say. And I pray that what was said of Jesus one day may also be said of us. They said of him, they wondered at the gracious words that he spoke. Let's start hearing some of those gracious words that are so much needed to bring healing and peace. Let us pray. O oh Lord, open thou my lips that my mouth 
may show forth your praise. Let my words be words of love, peace, understanding, and patience. Gracious and graceful words that glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.